Today's scripture passage comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Hear now the word of the Lord. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The word of the Lord. This has been one of those weeks where pastors wrestle with whether they're going to preach the sermon they had actually intended on and ignore the significant events that transpired this week. Or do we toss out our sermons and address what took place? It's complicated. Some come to worship hoping to make sense of what they are witnessing. Others find it so depressing that they want to just get away from it. Don't remind me one more time. Well, I believe that what is going on needs to be looked at through the lens of the Christian faith. And so I'm going to try to do both. To try to keep my sermon topic on baptism while also talking about how our baptisms form the very foundation of our Christian lives, our churches, and how that should impact the world around us. Today we find Jesus as a young man. He's right on the cusp, just about to begin his earthly ministry. He comes to his cousin John the Baptist, asks him to baptize him, and he obliges reluctantly. And as Jesus is coming out of the water, the Spirit descends upon him like a dove, and he hears these words of affirmation from his heavenly Father. You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. Psychologists teach us that words of affirmation are the most important thing that a parent can give their children. At this critical moment, God the Father could have relayed any message to His Son. And this is His message. Such powerful and important words of affirmation, for they establish the very foundation of His life and His ministry. And these words are important for us to hear as well. And not just hear, but believe and live into what it means to be a beloved child of God. For these words of affirmation are meant for everyone. And these words should serve as the foundation for our lives and for our ministries. And when they are, our lives take off in a certain trajectory. And when they are not, they move in a very different trajectory. For when we don't hear them, we are left with this void and we seek to fill that emptiness with virtually anything and everything. So many addictive behaviors are simply futile attempts at numbing or covering a lack of approval or affirmation. Two critical components lie at the foundations of our lives. The first is if we are filled with affirmation and love for who we truly are. If we are not, we are left with a giant hole to fill. The second is this, how does our sense of identity get shaped and formed throughout our lives? Throughout baptism, our true identity has been revealed. What is our true identity? That we are all beloved children of God. 
We have all, regardless of our gender or race or nationality or sexual orientation, been adopted by and accepted into God's very own family. I want you to stop and consider this for your own life right now. You may not have had parents who provided you with the love and affirmation that you needed or deserved. You may be living in a country that has treated you as a second-class citizen because of the color of your skin. You may have heard hurtful words coming from churches and church leaders that you are living in sin and other shaming comments because of who you are and who you choose to love. These words are hurtful. And they cut down and they are real and painful and they inflict lasting trauma. But here's what else is real. That God has created us beautifully and uniquely. That God has redeemed us through His Son, Jesus Christ. It is that God that we worship today. A God who loves you unconditionally that accepts you for exactly who you are. Like Jesus Christ, you are beloved. You are accepted. You are a member of God's family. The most important message that you might ever hear and believe and accept is that you are a beloved child of God. The sacrament of baptism acknowledges this and it celebrates this as truth. Have you heard the same message that Jesus heard coming down from those heavens? Have you accepted it and lived into it? If so, it is absolutely transformational. This is what it means to be new creations. And I wish this for you, and I wish this for everyone. There was so much that was disturbing this past week as we watched our Capitol building get stormed. Sacred halls being desecrated, lives being lost, our, doc our democracy seemed like it was teetering on its very edge. Many are upset in the knowledge that once again, it seems pretty clear that we live in two very different Americas. One for white people who can just walk right in, walk right out, with hardly any repercussions. And another that we saw just this past summer where thousands of armed guards were standing guard on those very same steps, where people were being gassed and beaten. What would have happened this week if all those people were mostly black or brown? We know the answer. Once again, we realize that we have a long way to go to achieve racial equality and justice in this country. How grateful I am for preachers in black churches who have been preaching the gospel, messages of grace in packed pews for centuries, reminding them of their baptisms and their true identities. I tell you, the faith of our black brothers and sisters in this country is pretty remarkable. They remain living, shining examples of what it looks like to embrace your true identity even when people and systems continue to say just the opposite. There are times when I feel like I can do a better job of embracing my true identity. Maybe you feel the same way. Do you know who else I 
wish would be able to embrace his true identity? Our president. Now this is my opinion, though I know many others feel as I do. It doesn't bring me joy saying this. It's based on observing his actions and his words over these years. It's reinforced by a book that was written by his very own niece who witnessed his upbringing, witnessed the treatment that he received from his father, how any love or acceptance that was given was purely transactional. And I would say this to President Trump's face if he were listening right now. But I don't believe that Trump believes or has come to know God's unconditional love. I'm not sure if he really knows or has experienced true love at all. I think he has yet to embrace his true identity as a beloved child of God. No, instead, I think his identity is wrapped up in his successes, his fame, his fortune, his position of power. Here's a man who is searching for all the wrong places for approval, whose understanding of love and acceptance is purely transactional. And so what happens when you lose a national election? It's not just a loss where you concede like any other president or presidential candidate has ever done in our modern history. For every other presidential candidate, I'm sure it was hard and it was painful and it must have been tough to get over. But that loss didn't define who they are. No, but this time it felt different, doesn't it? No concession speech. No working with the next administration to bring about another peaceful transition of power. Why? Maybe one reason is because this loss felt like an attack on his very sense of his identity. And so he continues to deny it. It was rigged. It was stolen. That's what we've been hearing for two months now. Maybe more. To tens of millions of people who hang on to his every word and believe it. I can't tell you how challenging it is for pastors these days to stand in these pulpits to try to preach faithfully and truthfully and do everything we can to try to keep our congregations united. It is especially challenging because we live in a country that now has its own information silos. We have our own truth, our, our own news outlets, and facts that support what we already believe. And so it's hard to find common ground. It's hard to find a starting point to begin a basic conversation. It divides us further and further apart. We start labeling one another, and we don't recognize one another as beloved children of God. Instead, we see each other as the enemy. And it is harming our relationships within our families and our friends. And as we saw this week, it is tearing the very fabric of our democracy. Our country is being torn apart. Now, one of the many versions of today's sermon is that I began to lay out well-established lists of examples that demonstrated this wasn't just a fair and free election, but actually should be celebrated as a shining moment in this country's democracy. Think about it. In the midst of a pandemic, 
higher percentage and total number of our citizens were able to safely and accurately cast their ballots than ever before. And then multiple layers of election officials and judges, they verified its legitimacy. And then state after state, judge after judge, time after time, over and over again. Now I shared this version with a few couple friends and I asked their honest opinion and they came back to me and they said, Ryan, no matter what you say and how clearly you lay this out, there are going to be people that simply will not believe it. They'll accuse you of lying, of being biased, of being overtly political. And they're right. Too many people have already been bombarded with different messages, messages that say just the opposite. They believe the words of their president and their anger and their distrust of government and at the direction of this president, they took matters into their own hands this week. And they stormed our nation's capital. And good people died. And we are still reeling with the feelings of anger and disgust and disbelief. For the good of our nation and the fabric of our democracy, I wish we can come to a common understanding on two key issues. They are so important. The first is the legitimacy of this past election. The second is coming to a mutual understanding about this pandemic and what we all need to do to save as many lives as possible and to be able to move on to whatever new normal looks like. But unfortunately, this is where we are. Both issues have been overtly politicized. So enough about this president and what transpired this week. Because we can all do some reflection and self-examination within ourselves. We all have things that falsely and incorrectly define us, things that steal our identities, our careers, our achievements, our possessions, our party affiliation, our race. Now, all these are important aspects of who we are, but none of them should define us. None of them should serve as the foundation of our true identity. What a gift we have been given in the sacrament of holy baptism. A reminder that we are all beloved children of God, and there is nothing that we can say or do about it. As a pastor, I have the honor and privilege to stand before that baptismal font to hold those children and affirm that you are a beloved child of God. I have the honor and privilege today to remind us of all of our baptisms, to remind you that you are a beloved child of God, that God loves you for exactly who you are. You may or may not have received words of affirmation or acceptance in your upbringing, or in churches, or even from this nation. But through baptism, God has revealed your true identity. That is the true, firm foundation upon which God desires for us to stand. And upon that foundation, we build our lives, we build our churches, and we work to reshape this nation. And so everywhere we see structures and policies and people that is saying you are less than, your life doesn't matter, your vote shouldn't count, we stand on that foundation, we say no, 
That's not true. That's a lie. Just as I am a beloved child of God, so are you. And so is he. And so is she. And so I will stand up and speak out on your behalf as Christ would want me to do, as Christ did himself. And we will use our gifts and talents and positions to bring about change that not only says you are a beloved child of God, but also works to achieve this as a living reality right here and now. What does baptism have to do with the events of this past week? What does baptism have to do with your life and with mine? Everything. Absolutely everything. Amen.